0: Gracious and holy God, we ask your blessing as we seek your guidance in scripture. and May your Holy Spirit move among these words of scripture through this sermon, through the meditations in the hearts of everyone here, through our discussions and our lives together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The scripture reading today comes from 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse seven. Listen for the word of the Lord. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father has sent his son as the savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they live in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was a child, we had a whole cluster of cousins, and the leader of the pack was Cousin Penelope. Whatever she did, we seemed to follow. Well, for a while, she was a Jesus freak. And so she gave me a Peter Max style poster with all sorts of rainbows on it. And on those rainbows, each one of them was a scripture passage. And at the center of all of these scripture rainbows was the biggest rainbow that said, God is love. You know, I'd I'd been through confirmation. I thought I knew it all, but when I saw that poster, I realized I'd never really thought about it. God is love. I kept that up in my room for years and meditated on it. It, it became part of my bedrock belief. And so life went on. Thirty-some years later, when my children were young, uh, I'm not embarrassed to admit it, uh, I took them to Dollywood. <laughs> <clears throat> Dolly Parton's giant theme park in the middle of the poverty-stricken Appalachia Hills where she grew up, a place that she built because she'd seen all the poverty and she wanted to create jobs for the people in the area around her hometown. So we had a wonderful time there in Dollywood on the thrill rides and seeing all the animals. and, And I, as I said, had a wonderful time. But what I remember most clearly was when we got in the car to exit the park because there was a sign with a message from Dolly just as you left. In handwriting script, it said there right alongside the road for everybody who passed by, remember, I will always love you, signed Dolly. Well, I saw that line and I recognized that was a call to car time karaoke and I started singing and I will always love you and my kids thought I was crazy (laughs) because they had no idea what that song was about and I started thinking as it was a long way home I started thinking whatever happened to all the great love songs And then because it was a really long ride, I started to think, whatever happened to love? I mean, people used to talk about love. Poets wrote about it. Philosophers debated about it. Theologians like Reinhold Niebuhr, who got his start here in Detroit, Reinhold Niebuhr wrote public policy around it, city parks had public art about it, movies from Casablanca to Love Story were all about love, and most of all musicians sang about it. From the love song of Romeo and Juliet to Ray Charles saying, I can't stop loving you, to Bee Gees, how deep is your love, to Diana Ross, ain't no mountain high enough, to the Beach Boys, Endless Love, and of course the Beatles, All You Need Is Love." And then something happened. Love seemed to go into eclipse. I wondered my thoughts about that recently, so I googled what are the top three songs on the charts in the last year and, and I saw that Taylor Swift had a top song called Karma. It's about how karma is calming for her, but it's the grim reaper for her (laughs) ex-boyfriend. And Miley Cyrus sings about her breakup. She sings, I can buy myself flowers. I can talk to myself for hours. I can take myself dancing. I can hold my own hand. And I can love me better than you can. (laughs) And then there's KZA's song, Kill Bill, that one I won't even go into. Those are all the top songs today, and I just want to say, where did the love go? (laughs) Something happened. There's been a cultural shift, and love has gone into eclipse. I think there's three reasons. Number one, people were unrealistic about love and, and romanticism doesn't cut it in the real world. If love doesn't have real gravitas to it, it won't feel real, it won't be real. Secondly, people have become more individualistic. Narcissism used to be a vice, now it's almost a virtue. The me generation turned to me alone, and and then they really can sing love songs about holding their own hand. And thirdly, the culture around us has stopped believing. They've stopped believing in anything, it's not Accurate to call it relativism because it's not relativism that's the problem. It's nihilism, the sense that nothing matters, that nothing holds together, and so you end up with all these dark movies with with endless battles and violence and meaningless sex and and all of the these that that, that are part of a catharsis, like John Wick and Jason Bourne, who just say, Yeah, we don't remember who we are. There may be plenty of other reasons, but the bottom line is this, as a people, as a culture, as a world, we gave up on love. But what if love did not give up on us? What if love did not give up on us? We as Christians are always challenged to think about, to discern, to remember, and to see what is most real and in our experience what is most real is God. So first John becomes a touchstone for us when he says we love because God first loved us. The history of human beings teaches that while love may be the best thing in life, love is not a given. It is naive to think that human beings are inherently loving. There has been too much carelessness, self-centeredness, too much hatred, too much just plain evil in the world to claim that human beings come into this world inherently loving creatures. Love is not inherent in us. Love is not our primary instinct, our default drive, our preloaded predetermined selves. Rather Love is a potential in us. But if that potential is ever going to take form and to be shaped, something has to happen. Love has to be sparked, has to be lit, has to be set on fire from something comes to us from the outside. And so it is our experience that we love because God first loved us. Our point of departure, the beginning of everything, the heart of reality is God is love. God is love and God loves each and every one of us. I think it's time for all of us to remember that, to claim it, assert it, explore it and see how world transforming it can be to recognize and live by the deceptively simple yet profoundly deeply complex reality that God is love and God loves each and every one of us. The implications are life transforming and world changing. Einstein said God is subtle, and I think that's true. It's not not a direct experience that we can prove, but it is an experience that we can intuit and that we can share and that we can grow in. Frederick Buechner writes his autobiography in two different volumes, the first volume here and there, the second volume now and then, because he's pointing to God coming to us slowly, here and there, now and then, we have these experiences that speak of God's love. The subtle experiences of God's love that have this transforming impact on us. African-American novelist, Zoral Neal Hurston writes, love is what makes your soul crawl out from its hiding place. Love changes us. And the better we understand God's nature, the more we open ourselves to it, more we become like it, which is why we turn to the Bible, which is why we turn to Jesus, because the heart of Jesus' story is of a human being whose life was totally shaped by his experience of God's love and of his choosing to live in God's love. Jesus embodies love in all its complexity. His story was shaped by God's story, so the question for us is, how has Christ's story shaped our stories? With love. We love because God first loved us. God is love, the source of life, the source of the life we live, the spark that sets our hearts on fire, that sparks our imagination, that begins our own hearts to beat with love. And as we experience it in more ways, it increasingly grows in intensity in us. It grows in our hearts and in our imaginations so that we begin to see the world differently. We shape our character in response to God's love. And if we so choose to embody and, and mobilize our will, we can shape the institutions that shape hundreds and thousands of people by something of the God's something of God's love that is 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 about changing the world. The Bible In verse after verse after verse shows that love can become the rain that allows us to grow, can become the food that feeds us, can become the law that guides us. The theme of God's love holds together the narrative of the scripture and it can hold together the narrative of our lives when our lives sometimes feel so meaningless and they're falling apart and we remember God's love, it helps us hold things together. At the heart of our experience, we come to see that love is what matters most. It is what is most real. And yes, human beings will disappoint us. They will love us and disappoint us and fail us again and again. But there is something of God's love that helps us to transcend those failures and to still, as God has loved us in our failures, love one another in the midst of everyone's failures. Our experience is that there is a love that is greater than any one person or all persons. God's love is the source of our love. And love gives us vision, it gives us courage, it binds us to God and to others, and love gives our life meaning. And once love is sparked in us, love makes the world valuable in ways that otherwise we would never see When we look through the world through the eyes of love, it is transformed and valued in new ways. When we look at other people, they are transformed because we see them through the eyes of God's love. New possibilities present themselves, new priorities reorient our lives. We see the world, we see ourselves differently, and it all begins to change where where does it come from? From some experience that each and every one of us have of God's love. And the call for us is to pay attention to those experiences of God and to nurture them. Isn't that what we do when we gather together in church is to nurture those experience of God's love individually and together. One of my graduate school classmates Timothy Jackson uh, was uh, struggling with the whole concept of faith. Uh, He was a religious studies major and he found the concept of religion interesting but he wasn't really sure that he believed in all that God stuff. One day he had uh, just turned in a philosophy paper in which he said in essence that since animals are not conscious as we humans are, they do not feel pain as we do. He was very happy with this paper, and, and as he turned it in, he was then walking down the street when right in front of him, a dog was hit by a car. The driver just drove off. Timothy watched as the dog lay there slowly dying. And Timothy was overwhelmed by a series of feelings. He writes, I wanted to apologize to the dog for the driver. I wanted to apologize to the dog for my own stupidity. I wanted to yell at God for making creatures so vulnerable and people so careless. And he became intensely aware of his own mortality and he realized one day that will be me and then he writes out of nowhere out of nowhere but immediately everywhere I intuited an infinitely loving presence watching and upholding us all I seemed to hear a voice say take care of my children and he felt that he and the dog and the bystanders and the careless driver and the blades of grass and the stones of the pavement all utterly depended on the one larger than anything human or natural. And he writes, I knew more surely than I know my own name that should this one withhold for a moment its unconditional love for me and the world, we would instantly cease to exist. But I had been given a glimpse of love that makes evil at the same time both intolerable and endurable, end quote. Life of faith is this slow dawning of just how much it means to the whole of our lives that God loves us, each and every one of us. And the better we understand God's nature, the more we open ourselves to it, the more we are able to become like it, loved us. We are loved. We go into the world knowing that each and every day. The more we explore that, the more it can shape us. For God is love, amen.